My name is Michael McCusker. Today, February 22nd, 2024, is the 292nd birthday of the USA's first president, George Washington. First also in the hearts of Americans after nearly three centuries of independence, which was bitterly seized and victorious through revolution against mean mother England, the mightiest world empire of its moment. The next most revered president of the USA shares February as his birth month, Abraham Lincoln, born on the 12th of this month in 1809. The third highly acclaimed occupant of the White House was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, known to history as FDR. On the dark side, hands down the worst American president, is the one who demands it for perpetuity, Donald Trump, most recently ranked by scholars as 45th and rock bottom, quote, unquote. In honor of President's Day 2024, I nominate William Henry Harrison as the best American president. I am certain many of you will disagree, but you might be working with a different compass than I am. I claim Harrison the best of all American presidents merely for the fact he died barely a month after his inauguration and had little opportunity for the usual mischief and malfeasance public office offers a president. Washington's own comment on presidential character was that, quote, no less to public than to private affairs, honesty is always the best policy, quote, unquote, and that presidents especially should always, again, quote, labor to keep alive that little spark of celestial fire, conscience, unquote. Which quite obviously leads to Lincoln's famous axiom, you may fool all of the people some of the time. You can even fool some of the people all of the time. But you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. Quote, Unquote. Washington's own comment on presidential character was that no less to public than to private affairs, that honesty is always the best policy. And that's a quote. One of America's great folk tales is child George admitting candidly to chopping down a cherry tree. And he also cautioned that presidents should always, quote, labor to keep alive that little spark of celestial fire, conscience, unquote. After Washington's death in 1799, commemoration of his reputed birth date became a federal holiday following the Civil War in 1885, which was the first such honorium accorded to an American icon. And so 
now, something I wrote, when patriots are traitors. Dr. Samuel Johnson is famous for his witticisms, such as, nothing so concentrates a man's mind than knowing he will be hanged in the morning. But one he is most noted for, and is so apt in these tremulously political soap opera scenarios, that, quote, patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel, unquote, which has many critics, notably among them Ambrose Bierce, author of the famously infamous The Devil's Dictionary. He said that although he did not wish to contradict Dr. Johnson, he felt patriotism to be a scoundrel's first refuge. An enduring measure of hothouse patriotism is to not ask uncomfortable questions of leaders who usually equate such inquiries as very unpatriotic. After all, unquestioning support and obedience, not to mention obeisance, are usually regarded as super-patriotism. This is the type of patriotism regaled by disgraced former President Donald Trump, despite his effusive patronage and perceived collusion with Russian despots such as Vladimir Putin. Trump and his base of ultra-right-wing white supremacist nationalists who strive to coerce Americans into thinking it is unpatriotic to defend or protect political rights and civil liberties while openly attempting to continue dismantling the basic fundamentals of democratic governance that was the primary goal of his disgraced presidency and perhaps his only hope for regaining it. Many Americans claim they are willing to give up certain freedoms in a crisis, but none should overlook or trust those who are ever ready to curtail liberty and freedom at any excuse, not temporarily as implied, but permanently. We are a democracy because it is necessary. It is not because of altruistic human nature that we have inherited a few basic rights and liberties sought by the mass of humanity for millennia. The limits of power were established precisely to curb the avaricious ambitions of many among us, like Donald Trump, to prevent them from getting their hands on our constitutional rights. Our freedoms are, in essence, our obligations as well, to preserve them for our descendants. Yet the farther removed we are from the intense imperatives of our Yankee Doodle ancestors for freedom, equality, and justice, the more we dangerously take for granted what they fought to establish and the greater probability we will carelessly allow them to be seized from us. The current fervor for nationalistic patriotism disavows patriotic dissent against its zealous xenophobia and constitutional rights. Our freedoms are, in essence, our obligations as well 
to preserve them for our descendants. Yet the farther removed we are from the intense imperatives of our ancestors for freedom and equality, the more we dangerously take for granted what they fought to establish, and the greater the probability we will carelessly allow them to be seized from us. The current fervor for nationalistic patriotism disavows patriotic descent against its cell of xenophobia and declaims it as fake. Yet now is the essential moment to resist, to question with intelligent and vigorous skepticism the preposterous claims that curtailment of civil liberties is necessary to the nation's survival, as well the incitement of racial prejudice. This populist resistance to contraband repression is precisely what our revolutionary ancestors had in mind when they set up our imperfect but earnest Constitution and its Ten Commandments of American democracy. The ancestors anticipated critical moments of great tragedy, anxiety, and even betrayal, and they realized unscrupulous persons would seize the opportunity to grasp power and dismantle the Constitution. We are a democracy, yet we know little about democracy. Liberty and independence and equal rights do not come easily and never stay very long without constant nurturing. Democracy is a battleground of human emotion and disparity. Freedom has not been an easy achievement nor equal justice any other than eternal combat between those who would expand rights and liberties and those who would limit or abolish them altogether. And democracy, as a result of its disparity, is always a factional dispute between humans who believe they deserve freedom but others do not, and those who believe in universal emancipation. The USA probably should, as so many suggest, refresh itself in this dark period of crises, uncertainty, and retrogression with a fresh infusion of original principles. But these are difficult to pin down and incredibly problematic to apply to an evolving millennial society. The Bill of Rights and subsequent amendments clarify that original intent of the Constitution was not as restricted as many so-called strict constructionists claim, but instead as originally constructed, an amendable document able to reflect and serve a continually changing civilization despite the hardships, frustrations, and bloodshed that accompany the amending process. The original framers had at least the foresight to recognize that the interests and problems of succeeding generations would most certainly be different than their own. The endless cycle of individual rights and obligations meshed within collective necessities is distinctly at play in this period of trauma and crisis. It is a time to confront and attempt to comprehend at their core 
the most cherished vanities, the theories, philosophies, and moral roots of our civilization at their most vulnerable levels, in particular, the faltering ethos that the wishes of the citizens are the mandate of democratic governance. Bewildered, exhausted, and despaired by the cold realities and complexities of contemporary government and its unholy alliance with wealth and military force, perhaps we should adhere to parsimony instead of surrender, patiently trace the confused, corrupt tentacles to their origins, and from that basic point, realize how we got off the track of history we intended to navigate when our ancestors stoutly declared they could no longer abide the oppressions of a king. If we wish to take hope and some encouragement in the long struggle ahead to right the balance of power in this country, perhaps it is not too late to agree with James Boyle, who wrote, One reason we have a democracy is because people make unspeakably stupid decisions without it. Quote, unquote. And that was something I wrote. And now, from the Guardian newspaper by Martin Pengley, Trump ranked as worst U.S. president in history with Biden 14th greatest. And the subhead survey of 154 scholars places 45th president behind even, quote, historically calamitous chief executives, unquote, linked to civil war. Donald Trump finished 45th and rock bottom of a list ranking U.S. presidents by greatness, trailing even, quote, historically calamitous chief executives, unquote, who failed to stop the Civil War or botched its aftermath. Worse for the likely Republican nominee this year, his probable opponent, Joe Biden, debuted at number 14. Biden's most important achievements may be that he rescued the presidency from Trump, resumed a more traditional style of presidential leadership, and is gearing up to keep the office out of his predecessor's hands this fall, unquote. Justin Vaughn and Brandon Rottinghouse, the political scientists behind the survey, wrote in the Los Angeles Times. Rottinghouse of the University of Houston and Vaughn from Coastal Carolina University considered responses from 154 scholars, most connected to the American Political Science Association. The aim, the author said, quote, was to create a ranking of presidential greatness that covered all presidents from George Washington to Joe Biden, unquote in succession to such lists compiled in 2015 and 2018. To do this, we asked respondents to rate each president on a scale 
of zero to 100 for their overall greatness with zero equals failure, 50 equals average, and 100 equals great. We then averaged the ratings for each president and ranked them from highest average to lowest. At the top of the chart, there was little change from previous surveys, the latter of which also saw Trump, then in office, placed last. Abraham Lincoln, who won the Civil War and ended slavery, was ranked first, ahead of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who saw the U.S. through the Great Depression and the Second World War. Next came George Washington, the first president, who won independence from Britain, Teddy Roosevelt, Thomas Jefferson, and Harry Truman. Barack Obama, the first black president, to whom Biden was vice president between 2009 and 2017, was seventh, up nine places. Considering drops for Andrew Jackson, ninth in 2015 to 21st now, and Woodrow Wilson, 10th to 15th, Rottinghouse and Vaughn noted the impact of campaigns for racial justice. Their reputations have consistently suffered in recent years as modern politics leads scholars to assess their early 19th and 20th century presidencies ever more harshly, especially their unacceptable treatment of marginalized people the authors wrote. Jackson owned enslaved people and presided over the genocidal displacement of Native Americans. Wilson oversaw victory in the First World War and helped set up the League of Nations, but was an avowed racist who segregated the federal workforce. Other major movers included Ulysses S. Grant, 17th, up from 26th in 2015, whose administration generated significant corruption, but whose attempts to enforce post-Civil War reconstruction in southern states, including fighting the Ku Klux Klan, have helped fuel reconsideration. Grant succeeded Andrew Johnson, Lincoln's successor, and the first president to be impeached. Like Johnson, Lincoln's predecessor, James Buchanan, who failed to stop the slide to civil war, also sits higher than Trump on Rodding House and Vaughn's list. Trump is a uniquely divisive figure. His legislative record slim. His refusal to accept defeat by Biden leading to a deadly attack on Congress and his post-presidential career dogged by 91 criminal charges arising from actions in office or on the campaign trail. In the presidential survey, Trump is also ranked behind, quote, such lowlights as Franklin Pierce, Warren Harding, and William Henry Harrison, who died a mere 31 days after taking office, unquote, Rottinghouse and Vaughn wrote. Trump's impact goes well beyond his own ranking, and Biden's every contemporary—let's do it again. They also wrote, 
Trump's impact goes well beyond his own ranking and Biden's. Every contemporary Democratic president has moved up in the ranks. Barack Obama, number seven, Bill Clinton, number 12, and even Jimmy Carter, number 22. Yes, these presidents had great accomplishments, such as expanding health care access and working to end conflict in the Middle East, and they have two Nobel Prizes among them. But given their shortcomings and failures, their rise seems to be less about reassessments of their administrations than it is a bonus for being neither Trump nor a member of his party. Indeed, every modern Republican president has dropped, including the transformational Ronald Reagan, number 16, and George H.W. Bush, number 19, who led the nation's last decisive military victory, unquote, the Gulf War of 1991. Accounting for Democratic climbs and Republican drops, the authors acknowledged that academics tend to lean left, but also said, with a nod to Trump, what these results suggest is not just an added emphasis on a president's political affiliation, but also the emergence of a president's fealty to political and institutional norms as a criterion for what makes a president great. As for the Americans casting a ballot for the next president in November, they are in the historically rare position of knowing how both candidates have performed in the job. And that's also a quote. Trump has not yet secured the Republican nomination, but Biden trails in most polls, prey to public concern that at 81, he is too old for a second term, even though Trump is 77 and equally vulnerable to public gaffes, never mind his insurrectionist past. Rottinghouse and Vaughn said, whether voters will consider each president's commitment to the norms of presidential leadership and come to rate them as differently as our experts remains to be seen. This is Michael McCusker. Joanne Rideout is this program's engineer. It might be appropriate that contemporary Americans should take note of the contrast between the president who avowed he could not tell a lie and the more recent president who is incapable of telling the truth and who insists he should rule as president for life. And regarding the myth of George Washington's admittance of chopping down a cherry tree, and the elders of Astoria, who have incessantly lied about the real reason they cut down the cherry trees at the Astoria column a few years ago in the previous millennium. You've been listening to A Story Told on KMUN, featuring Michael McCusker, journalist, activist, former firefighter, and Vietnam veteran. Michael has been sharing essays and poetry on a story told since 1987. For 30 years, he published the North Coast Times-Eagle newspaper out of his home in Astoria, Oregon. 
Michael currently shares his work and the works of other authors from his home on the Central Oregon coast. Join us here next week for a story told. Thank you.